Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Twenty to fourteen. Hollis looking for Tim Brown. Ray Crockett. Ray Ray Crockett. In the Broncos. Raider week in three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to Believe in the Broncos. I'm Chris Braden. Alongside with me, the reason you're tuning in, Ray Crockett, Bronco legend. Ray, how you doing today, buddy? I'm all good. I'm all good. This is a good week, Christmas week, and uh, mm-hmm. it's always a good week for, for Broncos country when it comes to Raider week, but, you know, given the circumstances and the situational mm-hmm. football that the Broncos are playing... I don't know if uh I don't know if Raider Week is the same anymore. And yeah. you know what? That's where we'll start, Chris. Let's start there. Yeah, let's, let me ask you this start. while you go there. How, do you remember how many times you lost to the Raiders? Because those teams didn't lose to the Raiders when Shaney was here. That was like the red letter week. Yeah, and and, and I guess that that question ties into my question. Uh, so let's we'll, we'll do both. Yeah. To answer your question, no, I don't necessarily remember. I know when I came with Wade Phillips, I'll tell you a quick story that that just always. I I, I just I was just fascinated by it because I never had a real rivalry like this coming from Detroit, you know, Green Bay, uh, the Bears. Mm -hmm. Minnesota was our division, you know, the NFC North, as it's called now. But if there was something like that, I would have to say the Bears was was Detroit's rivalry, kind of, so to speak. But we didn't we didn't treat it like they did here. So long story short, I get to the Broncos and we play, you know, five, six, seven, eight games already under Wade Phillips. And I think we probably were three and three. Let's just hide it for, for, for the sake of the conversation. Let's say sure. we're three and three. We had lost three or four games. I know that. And all of a sudden, I come in on, on Monday, and there's banners and music playing and all this hoopla. Raider week. It's Raider week. And they're just going crazy, right? Everything is hyper-focused and, and, and all this, you know, up-tempo stuff. Let's get ready. da 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 And I'm thinking to myself, why we, Why did we treat all those other games we lost like Raider Week? Maybe we would have won. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe we would have won, but that was that was the big hoopla. It was that much hoopla going on. Just like Raider college, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah, with this Raider Week stuff. So so with, with that being said, I remember uh, with Wade Phillips, I think we lost. We may have lost both of the Raider games uh, because we ended up finishing 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't recall, you know, but then when Shanahan came, I, I think maybe at that point, I think I only lost maybe once maybe against the Raiders. So to answer, to go to the question I want to ask you, is it a rivalry? Is it a rivalry still if the other team is not winning? Like Raider week was big, probably the first year I got to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. After we beat them probably three or four times, you know, in a row, it kind of died down a little bit. So is it still a rivalry if the other team doesn't win? 
Do you, what do you feel about that? No, I agree. I think uh, it, there has to be uh, trading wins and losses. Um, I still think it was fun when you guys were beating up on the Raiders all the time, because it was like, all right, we can, we can etch in two wins before the season starts. Number one. And number two, like, I'm just going to be honest here in Colorado. If you're not a Bronco fan, especially back in the day, now it might be the chiefs. You pick the team that the Bronco fans dislike the most. And that was the Raider. So basically like Raider week was for all the, the Bronco trolls and haters. And it was so much fun to beat them. And when, you know, you would go into the office the next morning, they had nothing to say to you. And it was great. It was great. And quite frankly, I do remember those old games like like I I remember watching a game with Tim Brown and, and Tyrone Braxton got into a fight and, yep. and I remember James Jett coming off of the sideline in street clothes. That's how bad, you know, that's that's the that's how bad this this you know blood was against these two teams. A guy came off of the sideline in street clothes and fought a guy in a full uniform. I mean that's how bad it was. So I did kind of buy into it once I watched some of that old film because I went back and watched probably four of the Denver Bronco old games when I got there because I wanted to see what the Raiders, you know, I, I didn't play them much. I only played them once in Detroit. And uh, it, it was, I think, in my rookie year. And I'm not going to lie, I got baptized by those guys. I was a rookie and they came in. And so I really was ready to get that. Now, now if you want to say, why I had bad blood against the Raiders, it was really for that reason. My rookie year, Tim Brown and, and those guys, Swerving Marvin or Swerving Mervin, whatever the hell his name was, they, they got me pretty good my rookie year. So I was eager. And plus, Tim Brown is from Dallas. Yeah, You know, he's from my hometown. So I was eager to get him back. I remember vividly getting beat by them when I was in Detroit and Tim Brown scoring a touchdown on me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get his ass back. So I did go back and watch film against the Broncos and the Raiders. And there was a fight every game. There was a fight every game that they played. So then I kind of got an understanding. I was like, oh, now I see what this week is about. You know what I'm saying? Now I see why they're so pissed off. So now then I I started to buy into it a little more. So if you're listening to this podcast and, and, and you don't understand why the blood is so bad. It, it was just bad blood from team-wise, player-wise, and it was bad blood from ownership-wise yep. because, because, you know, when you look at Al Davis, Al Davis was known as the, the guy on the, you know, the, the, the evil empire, outside, man. The evil empire guy. And, and Mr. Bowling and Jerry Jones and all those, they came in and was trying to make the league better. Right. Now they was bucking everything they was doing. So that's where a lot of the blood came from as well. Then Shanahan went there and got fired and never got paid his money. I don't so think he got paid yet, off. right? No, he never got paid. So Shanahan was pissed off. So this week, you know, <laughs> it just goes way, way back, you know, Broncos country when it comes to bad blood. So I don't be surprised if if something different happens in this game. And that's something that we, we always have to look forward to. So with that being said, let's kick it off, baby. It's Raider week. I wrote this <laughs> down, Ray. And when you asked that question, I would say that rivalry waned a little bit. 
but Aqib Tlaib brought it back in full force, snatching chains. Are the Broncos yeah, yeah. going to snatch the chains off the Raiders this week? Man, let me tell you that the story about Aqib Tlaib. That was, that was the funniest story ever. You know, I know both of those guys. Both of those guys are from Dallas. Okay. So, yeah, both of those guys are from Dallas. So a uh, Crabtree and uh, a Key, they they had this little bad blood thing going for a minute that just accidentally turned into the the chain snatcher. And a Key was kind of hyped up because a coach had had talked about it. A yep. coach had talked about you know the Raiders think they so sweet, they think they so nice that they wear chains and all this while they kicking our ass because they they the Raiders had beat the Raiders had beat the Broncos a couple of times. Yep. And that coach, you know, was kind of trying to fire the team up. And I think... You know, and that team was full of guys that took that stuff serious. Yeah, and the key was from the hood. You know, Keeve key is one of those guys that, that will snatch a chain. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, man, that, that was the funniest. I, I'm not going to lie. That right there, other than... Other than James Jett, I mean, uh, yeah, I think I, I no, it wasn't James Jett. I forgot the guy's name. Anyway, but other than that guy coming off of the sideline in street clothes yeah. and kicking one of the Broncos' ass who was in clothes, right. that was funny. But that that's probably the two incidents that I that I really remember that was funny to me that that really made this a rivalry again. Akeem started it back up. I will yep. say that. So now. So now it is back on as a rivalry, and it's something that the Broncos definitely have to have to attend to and have to really uh stay focused on. Let's go back to the, the two weeks that we missed. Okay. And, and, and once again, it's the tale of the two Broncos, yep. that, which is what I'm going to call oh, it. Oh, season. man, dude. It's please. the tale of the two Broncos. We, we get the Detroit Lions, which was, uh-huh. you know, a team I used to play for, and and – we we handled them. We handled them. We yep. had a great game plan. Sturmer did well. We went out and did what we were supposed to do. Ran the ball, you know, controlled the game, won the game. Everything looked great going into Cincinnati. You yep. know, we don't really have to talk much about the lines unless you have something else to say. I'd already said they wasn't that great of a team. No. I thought we were, I thought we were better than them across the board as far as Position-wise and talent-wise, I, I really thought we had the upper hand, and it turned out that way. We, it was well, a game we should have won, and we won. Yeah, and Melvin Gordon and uh, Javante Williams both played well, over 200 yards rushing. It was just right. kind of the game that you and I have been talking about where they just kind of need to play it that way. Javante had almost five yards per carry, and Melvin Gordon himself had 4.6. Like, yeah. you could have just ran it all day like uh, like Belichick did. Yeah. yeah, do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Take your team, take your strength against their weakness, and utilize it. And, yes. and utilize it for the full game. And mm-hmm. then normally good things will happen. That's yes. what we did. And it worked out for us. Now we fast forward. We come to Cincinnati. Everything is set up for us. You know, the division kind of went the way we wanted it to go to AFC West. We had an opportunity to get right in the playoff hunt, to get right in the thick of, I mean, seriously. I mean, even though realistically, I've already told you, Broncos country, I didn't think we were going to make the playoffs. No. I stand by that. <laughs> Look, I said that week three. I stand by that, and, and I still believe that. I, I just didn't think that we we were ready, to be honest, quite frankly. I didn't think we had, uh, you know, the positions and uh, the uh, 
depth in the right positions. I didn't think we had the guys in the right position as of yet. We had a bunch of young guys that had to play well, and, and we just didn't get off to a great start the way we wanted to after that four-game winning streak. You know, things started to fall apart, and we started to really see that we weren't in the class of the upper echelon teams. I said the top 12 teams. We weren't one of them. I didn't feel that we were one of them. And, and it kind of turned out that way. But yet and still, we were right there in the hunt. Sure. If we do what we're supposed to do against Cincinnati and you're playing them at home, you go out and get a win against Cincinnati, you're riding the wild card, think of the wild card race, and, and there's a, a big opportunity for you. I feel we went out, and for whatever reason, we reverted back. We reverted back. Shermer, man, Shermer, I mean, it's frustrating. To, to so watch it, yes, to watch his game plans and to watch his reactional and his adjustments at half or, or during the course of the game, especially during the course of the game. I don't feel he just I don't feel he adjusts well. I, I, I don't feel that he has what I would call a uh look a plan B. Right. <laughs> it's like he, he comes in with a game plan and he sticks to it no matter what. And I, I always feel that as a coordinator, I always feel you have to have a ABC. You know, you have to have a plan A that you really think we can do. Then you have to have a plan B. And then you have to have a plan C. And that plan C is for injuries. You know, when guys get injured, how do you switch that game plan if that was a go-to guy, say, for instance, I give you an example, Broncos country, of what I'm talking about. The first Super Bowl, we go in the first Super Bowl, we play in Green Bay. Our game plan was to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. We did that, and we did it well. Terrell, you know, did what he was supposed to do. But there was a time when Terrell got injured, you know. Terrell had the concussion, I mean, not the concussion, the migraines. Yeah. He had the migraines, mm -hmm. and we had to kind of shift our game plan a little bit. And then when he came back, we went back to it. Shanahan did a great job of shifting the game plan and started hitting the you know short level passes and using the short level passes as the running game since Terrell was out. That was his right. game plan, right? Then you flip to the next year, we go to play Atlanta. We really felt Sharp had the upper hand on the Falcons. We really felt that we knew that they had Ronnie Bradford and they had you know Ronnie Bradford played with the Broncos. We were familiar with him, and he was one of the safeties. And we felt Sharp could beat him. So Sharp was our game plan A. We we're going to really lean on Sharp. Well, Sharp, he hurts his knee in the first quarter. He gets his MCL hurt, and he straight his MCL, and he's out of the game. Well, boom, we shift, go to the game plan B, Rod Smith. We And Rod Smith ended up having 200 yards in the Super Bowl. Right. So I, I feel you always have. I don't see that with Shermer. I don't see <laughs> that with Shermer. He goes in and he's he's he, he'll look at film and say, hey, I think we have an opportunity to throw the ball. Then yeah. He throws it 40 times, whether it's working or not. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, he's or, just like he digs in. Yeah, it's like he doesn't have an adjustment. His AQ, I, I told we I talked to Broncos country about EQ, IQ and AQ, mm -hmm. you know. As far as emotional, as far as your, your, your mental, as far as your adjustability, you know, how do you adjust? We right. He just does not adjust, man. He doesn't adjust. And against Cincinnati, I, I feel that that he got away from what we should have been doing. I mean, running the ball, is our that is our strength. I don't care how you look at it. 
right now with our quarterback situation, you know, even with Teddy, you know, Teddy plays up and down. You just don't know with our receiving situation. I don't feel once again that we are creative enough getting those guys open. We have good receivers. Don't get me wrong. But even good receivers sometimes need help on getting open and getting separation, you know, to get the upper hand on DBs. Just because you're a good receiver, let me explain this to to Broncos country because there's been a lot of talk about why did we pay these receivers when after we paid them, of course, see, here's the funny thing. (laughs) Before, it's amazing what the dollar, let me just say this, it's amazing what the dollar does to the mind, right? (laughs) Because before they were getting big dollars, they were the same receivers, they were doing the same thing. They were catching a 50-50 ball. They were they were catching, you know, the slants. They were they were catching three or four balls a game, whatever. They weren't world beaters. But once they got paid 90 million, everybody started paying more attention to them. And now all of a sudden, what? Why did we pay 90 million to a guy who's gonna get two catches, you know, or or this and that? You know, you you get all of the the extracurricular thinking to the receivers. Now you start overthinking the process. They are the same receivers. They're good receivers, but they've never been receivers who can just go out and flat out beat man to man. They've always been big body receivers that have enough speed to get down the field, catch the 50-50 ball, you know, maybe make it a 70-30, 60-40 ball. They catch the the normal slants, but they've never been real great route runners, Right. You know, mm-hmm. I still Jerry Judy is the only route runner. We and Jerry Judy had zero guy. receptions on Sunday. <laughs> exactly. He's the only guy that can really run great routes. But here's the right. problem with Jerry Judy. And I tell people this. Sometimes when you're a great route runner, it takes time for you to run those routes because Jerry Judy is great at setting the DB up, getting mm-hmm. on the DBs inside, outside leverage and all this. But it takes him time. And this line is not blocking well enough that Teddy, at, you know, whoever it is, feels that they can sit in there and wait for Judy to create that separation because he does create great separation at the top of the route. Right. Sometimes it takes him a little bit of time to get that separation. So with that being said, here's the adjustment. And, and I'm saying this from Shermer's aspect. If I'm watching film, which I have numerous of times, yeah, and and I'm saying, okay, it takes Jerry Judy 3.2 seconds to create that great separation. Okay, when he runs this route, it takes him 3.5 seconds. You know, I'm doing it. I'm actually doing it on my clock. Like, on my phone, when I watch film, I'm looking at his route, and I'm saying, okay, that was 2.8 seconds, right? So if I'm doing that, then... After I do that, the next thing I do is say, how do I create an opportunity to get him the ball? Yeah, please. So now, yeah. So now, so now what I have to do, I have to go and I look at my liner. I say, well, maybe I got to run double tights and all because it takes him this many seconds to get open. Maybe I need to help my line block these guys for 3.5 seconds. And how do you do that? You either keep a back end to help chip or to help the uh, the offensive line, or you switch up your offense and you start to run two tights. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you can go max protection. 
That's the adjustments I don't see happening with Shermer to get Jerry Judy the ball. You got to get that, this guy the ball, and you have to figure out a way to do it. And a good offensive coordinator will do that. A good offensive coordinator will say, this is my great, my best route runner. I got to get him the ball. So whether I got to run three tights, one wide receiver, whatever the case may be, however you scheme it out, you have to do that. You have to get creative in your schemes. That's why I say it's time for Sherman to go because he does not have creativity and he does not take the time to scheme these guys an opportunity to catch passes. These guys are good receivers. Whether you agree if they should be paid 15 million, 10 million, or whatever that case may be, right? They are receivers who can get open, but they need scheme and creativity to help. They are not receivers that you just sit out there and say, go beat Jalen Ramsey. Not gonna happen. Right. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. So as a coordinator, you have to take it upon yourself to say, this is the type of receiver I have. This is what adjustments I have to make to get them open. There you go, Broncos country. That's what's going on. That's why I say Sherman is a great guy, but he got to go. <laughs> but he got to go. You know, case in point for everything you just said, uh, Ray, the Broncos are 1-21 and 21 when trailing at halftime. 1-21. You almost have to try to because be they don't make bad. Because you don't make adjustments. That's the only reason why you're that bad is because you are the worst adjusting team in football. And I didn't want to say it that bluntly, but, you know, my tagline is straight with no chaser. And I'm going to give it to you straight with no chaser. We are probably the worst team in the NFL when it comes to making adjustments. After halftime, when we get down, whatever the case may be, we are the worst team. And 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 here and I'm gonna give you two reasons why. One I just gave you already yep. with Sherman. Mm-hmm. And then the other reason why, and, and this is the other reason, uh, or, or the reason I should say why I say Fangio is not the guy to be the head coach, is because he's too emotional. And what I mean by that, he's too emotionally tied to his friends and to the position he put guys in. Uh, 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 the job of a head coach, one of the job, one of the assignments, I should say, of a head coach is to, one, be disconnected enough emotionally that you're allowed to make swift and harsh decisions. Sure. Fangio is not that. That's why every week we ask Fangio something, he says nothing's going to change because he's too emotionally connected. When you're not emotionally connected, you look for everything to change when things are not going bad. You you look to change. Right. Change is hard. Change is hard. Change is difficult. Change is emotional, yeah. right? So when you have to make those type of decisions and you when, you when you have to change, you have to be, and that's where EQ comes in, you have to have the emotional quality to say, I will do whatever it takes to make this team better and to win. Whether that is telling my best friend, if I have a best friend, if it's telling my best friend, I got to fire you, dude. You're not good enough. I got to do that. <laughs> or if it's telling my best friend, I'm going to take play calling away from you. You got to do that. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I feel Fangio is not equipped to be a head coach. 
They'll can Donatel do that to Fangio and be like, hey, can you go coach the team and I'll call the defense? <laughs> I mean, but but that is, you know, you know what? Hey, that that is what needs to happen sometimes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the, and that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean by that. That is what sometimes needs to happen. Sometimes that harsh question or that 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 interaction, I should say. You know, some people, and I'm one of those guys, I'll be honest. I'm not a, a confrontational guy. Right. I'm just by, you know, by nature. My, my, I'm not naturally a confrontational guy. But when it comes to winning, mm-hmm. I'm confrontational as hell. I'm confrontational as hell when it comes to winning. You know, yeah, I don't care. I will fight my mama if we got <laughs> if it comes to winning a game. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm being, of course, you know, facetious, but I'm Your being mama real. probably fights like, you too, man. <laughs> Who's winning? And she would. I, I made that look. Wait, and I made <laughs> I made that comment on uh on Twitter. I yeah. said, man, I am so glad that we didn't have social media when I played because my mom would have cussed a lot of these people out and would have told them, hey, meet me outside. What's your address? Real talk. <laughs> like she she is like that. You're gonna catch so, these hands. <laughs> yeah, she would have said, "You can catch these hands. Meet me, meet me outside. You can catch these hands." So, so I would have, you know, you don't play with my mama, baby. Now, so I would have had some problems, and and that's where I just feel for Fangio. That's why I say for him, I feel he's a better defensive coordinator. He's, he's an excellent defensive coordinator. coordinator. Yeah, because he can just focus solely mm-hmm. on that. Some people are not good when it comes to multitasking. Yeah, He's like timeouts, you like timeouts, yeah. challenges. He's not, He's like, not a multitasker. And I don't think he yeah. even honestly, like, this is just me painting with a broad brush. I don't think he knows what's going on with the offense. I'm not sure he asked those questions. And I, I think he has full faith in uh, Pat Shermer. I want to send, drive your point home. And I want to ask you a question because I want to know whose fault this is. So we're sitting there watching the game. And before I say any of this, Godspeed to Teddy Bridgewater, man. There is not a greater man know, on man. the face of the planet. And when I yeah. say this stuff, it has nothing to do with the man. It has everything to do with, with the game. So that right. being said, because I get I get beat up all the time because I like Teddy Bridgewater. I do. But you gotta I'm you gotta be, you know, you gotta, you gotta be, be able to break down the plays and all that stuff. Exactly. Well, like, exactly. Sorry. But okay, so we're I'm sitting on the couch. We're ro- watching the game. My son-in-law sitting next to me. I think the Broncos were third and seven. It was obviously before. I think it was a series before Teddy got hurt. Right. And we're sitting there, and I go third and seven, and he goes, "Oh, they need this." I go hundred bucks that he throws it below the chains. I bet this pass goes four yards. Boom! It goes four yards. He goes, "How did you know?" I go, "Nostradamus." So anyway, is that okay? And then. When Drew Locke finally came in his first series, he had like a third and nine. He threw that thing 10 yards first down. And I'm not saying Drew Locke's the answer. I'm just saying whose fault is it that these routes are being run short of the chains like 80% of the time? It's coaching. It's coaching and it's players. It's the coach. Look, if a route is run four yards short of a seven-yard first down, you can't blame that on the quarterback. Right. The quarterback can't run the route and throw the ball. So it has to be blamed on the offensive coordinator and the wide receiver. One, 
the wide receivers can sometimes not understand down and distance and, and run, you know, runs around short, or the offensive coordinator is not getting it into their heads. Because here's one thing I remember, and I remember this just because I'm gonna tell you what I used to do. The reason why I know offense, first and foremost, I played offense in high school, and, right. and you know that was my main position at first was offense. So when when Broncos country hear me speak about wide receiver, running backs, I played both at a high level. I I got my scholarship to Baylor to play offense. Ah. I got moved to corner. I got moved to corner. So I went to Baylor as a freshman to play wide receiver. Oh, wow. I was a running back and wide receiver. I went there to play wide receiver. Now, I had 26 interceptions in high school, so I could play DB as well. So I got switched. So just I just want to you know put that premise out there to let them know. That's why I know so much about running routes and, and, and running back and all that stuff. Now, get to, to where we are now. I remember my coach used to always tell me at wide receiver, it's third and eight, right? And he'll send the play in, you know, because back then we didn't have the headphones or whatever. Right. A guy had to actually run the play in. A guy, you know, a reserve had to actually run the yeah. play in. So the so the reserve would run the play in and he'd be like, third and eight, um, Y left, Z cross, you know, X over, whatever the case may be. Sure. And he would turn to me and say, Ray, coach said, make sure you get nine yards. You know what I mean? Make sure yeah. you get nine yards because the first down is eight. Make sure. sure you get nine yards, right? So that's what I'm talking about. Either the offensive coordinator is not, you know, putting that in, in the quarterback's head when Teddy calls the play to remind the players, hey, man, it's 35, 35, get five yards. You know right. what I'm saying? So that's one way. Or the wide receiver has to have it in his head automatically. Hey, this route I normally run at four yards, but it's third and six. Let me stretch it to six. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that and, and those those cues that come back into play. That's that IQ, AQ, EQ. You know what I'm saying? IQ first and foremost. You got to be smart. You got to be smart. That even if the offensive coordinator doesn't tell you, or even if that route is normally run at four. Adjust, mm -hmm. adjust, and run the damn route to six. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is it That's possible, Teddy? Teddy's checking problem. down. Is it possible he's checking down to those? It's outlet. possible that he. It's possible that he could be checking down to his outlet. But if that's the case, then that means we're not schemed up enough to get the guys open who's supposed to be getting the first down. Now here's the problem. I will say this: There's been several times I watched film. And and what have what would happen is this: we would have a third and five, right? We'd have a third and five. I see a wide receiver running a twenty-yard route. I see another wide receiver running a go. <laughs> I see another wide receiver. I see another wide receiver running a fifteen-yard route, and then I see the check down. Okay, well, as a quarterback. First and foremost, we don't have great blocking at this time. Right. So when that clock goes off in your head, if that 15-yard route is not open, that damn go route is not open, that 20-yard route is not open, I'm going to check it down. I'm going to sure. throw the check down, right? So as an offensive coordinator, run more routes to get us the first down. One more logical routes to get us the first down. 
You see what I'm saying? That's what I mean by schemes. That's where I say he's not creative enough and, and he's not scheming these guys open enough. If it's 35, I'm going to have at least three options to get that five yards. Right. I'm not going to run a 20-yard route, a 15-yard comeback. I'm not going to run a go. I'm going to run seven, eight, nine yards. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to run multiple routes that can get us the first down. That's what I mean by scheme-wise. When you play DB, if you had a wide, let's say you had third and third and seven, and the wide receiver cuts the route off at four, are you like, hey, thank you? Of course, because <laughs> now I got to just make the tackle. Right, all I have to do is make the tackle. You know, and 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 don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. There are times, Broncos country, hear me when I say this. There are times when you will run a route that's short of the first down. And the only reason why you do that is because one thing, I feel the guy that's catching the ball is bigger, stronger, and faster than the DB. So yeah. I would throw it to him at four yards to say, go get those other two yards. He's a smaller DB. You know, he's not physical. Run his ass over and give me two yards. Well, now, I used to see that with well. Shannon and Rod all the time. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that, that would happen as well. Yeah, that would happen. Sometimes you want to get the ball into your playmaker's hands because that guy is physically better than the guy that's covering him. So there are times when you should throw the ball short of the first down and you put it up the onus on that guy to go get it. Say, hey, man, look, you Shannon Shaw, you lifting them damn weights all day, you 290 pounds strong, go get me a first down. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, so there's there's some thought process into this. We got two big body receivers, you know. You should be able to get the one that. One thing I will, yeah. The one thing I will say about Sutton, sometimes Sutton, I don't understand. He'll catch the ball and fall down too damn much. Mm-hmm. Catch the ball and run, you know. He's catching slants and he's falling down with nobody making him fall. So, no fan that does that the, too. On the player, it's good. yeah. Some of that is on the player. Yeah. Some of that is on the player. Catch the ball and run with the ball. Rod Smith, I will say this. Rod Smith is probably one of the best I've ever seen at catching the ball and putting his foot in the ground and go get extra yards. Yards got Rod probably has, I, I would venture out to say he's probably in the top 15 in the history of the NFL as far as yards after the catch. Rod would catch the ball and he'd go get some yards. He, he was great at that. And that's because he played wide receiver and he played option quarterback. Yeah. You know, in college, he was yeah. a running quarterback. So he was a customer running with the ball. So that that is what you expect out of these big, you know, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. Sometimes, man, you got to go get the first down. You got to go create it yourself. You know, I, w- I wanted to bring this up, and we t- we already gave uh, Vic Fangio credit for being a great defensive coordinator, but I've seen this happen multiple times this year. Drew Locke makes a nice play, gets the ball to Tim Patrick, Broncos up. I mean, I don't know how long they had the lead. Was it like 30 seconds, 40, a minute? I don't know. And then the Broncos get beat deep once again over the top, and yeah. that's that was literally – People are talking about Drew Locke getting the ball ripped from him as being the end of the game. But for me, I think that was the end. Like once they went over the top, I mean, Justin Simmons running late. I don't know whose fault that was, but holy cow, dude, that was just. Yeah, on the, on the, the receiver made a great cutback on Justin. I mean, it was, it was, 
First and foremost, I, I didn't like the, the defensive call because I don't feel the Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers were good enough that we needed to run, as I call, an exotic zone coverage. Sure. I think though with 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 Pat Satan on Chase, I think he's he's equipped well enough to handle him one on one, you know, man to man. And I feel Darby and the other guys should have been able to handle the other receivers man-to-man. So we should have never been in a position where Justin was coming over at an angle to try to stop a receiver because it was an exotic zone. We should have been in man. My point is we should have ran more man than anything in that game. But I will say that to me, I felt the game was over on two plays. I don't think that was the end of the game. I definitely feel Drew Locke won running the ball down there in the red zone. Yeah. No way in hell we should have called a quarterback run. First of all, the guy hadn't played that much. He hadn't handled the ball that much all year to put him in that position. And he's not a great running quarterback to begin with. That is not his forte. You know, so I would have never done that, especially when we have two guys in the backfield that's averaging four or five yards carry. I feel... That was part of it. You got to come out with points in in that situation. You can't come up with a fumble in the red zone. That was one play. The other play I feel is with Sutton. Now, one thing I do feel is this. When Sutton gets an opportunity to make these 50-50 catches, you got to make them. That's what we're paying you for. That's why we're paying you $15 million. That one catch that Teddy Bridgewater threw down the sideline when he had Eli Apple, who's a good, you know, a good friend of mine, know him. And, and have worked with him, if he catches that ball with his hands, it's a touchdown. Yeah. That was a great thrown ball. That was a great route. Perfect opportunity. He lets the ball get into his chest, and Eli Apple was made, able to knock that ball out. Mm-hmm. That should have been a touchdown. If I'm paying you 15 minutes, damn it, you got to make that play. You got to put your hands out, catch the ball at his highest point, and that's the one, God rest his soul. Demarius Thomas was one of the best at doing that catching the ball with his hands. If Sutton catches that ball with his hands, it's a touchdown. He lets it get into his body, which I call a lazy catch. It was a lazy catch. He lets it get into his body and gets it knocked away. That should have been a touchdown. And and those two plays, I feel, offensively, because we already struggle, we have to make plays when they present themselves. We have to come away with points in the red zone on Drew Locke's fumble, and Sutton has to come up with that catch. Those two plays there, we win the game. That's what I feel. No, and I agree with you on that. It was like So Drew Locke comes in, and it, there was a different tempo to the offense. It kind of gave him a little bit of a spark, but uh, he's playing this week. Do you think Drew Locke has an opportunity to kind of resurrect his NFL career? Because who knows when Teddy's going to be back. If I'm Teddy, maybe I just, like, take the last three weeks off. (laughs) I I advise him to, to be honest. I advise him to. I mean, at this point, we know who, you know, we know what Teddy is we know who Teddy is and the league knows what and who Teddy is so if Teddy's going to get another job he's going to get another job regardless yeah and it's probably going to be a backup job somewhere I doubt I doubt he's going to be a starter somewhere unless somebody just you maybe know maybe New Orleans need of a quarterback maybe maybe I, I mean to be honest I don't even think he will be in New Orleans but who knows 
But once again, we know in the league know who and what Teddy is at this right. point. So if he's going to get a job, whether he plays another down or not, he's going to get a job. So at this point, get healthy. Get healthy, young man. You've had a rough season. You you, you fought, you know, through through injuries. You, you, you fought long and hard, and you showed your t- toughness and all this stuff. So you have nothing to prove is what I'm saying. Right. He has nothing to prove, and I don't think playing these next two games or one of these next three games is not going to help him or hurt him, quite frankly, in my opinion. It's not going to hurt him or, or hurt him. I mean, it's not going to help him or hurt him. So get healthy. Get healthy and, and, and just call it a day. You, you, you've done what you needed to do. You're not, you're not going to be the starter for the Broncos. No. That I will say. I mean, you're not going to be the starter for the Broncos. That, that is, in my opinion, that should be dead. We should be looking elsewhere right now. The GM should be having his game plan for how we're going to get a quarterback. However that works out, whether it's Russell Wilson or whoever that you've been hearing, we should be working on that, <laughs> period. <laughs> you, know, us, you know, getting a real quarterback in here is, is the option. Now, to answer your question, as far as Drew Locke resurrecting his career, did he ever have one? Is he going to get an opportunity <laughs> somewhere? Like if he plays, oh, out there and, oh, okay, that's what you mean. I was about to yeah, say because he never that's really what I had a career to me. Yeah, no, no oh, that's okay. what I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, yes, he can definitely be a backup somewhere. He can definitely have he can an start opportunity. Start for teams compete. like the Panthers, he though. He can't start for them. No, he can't start right now for anybody. I'm just going to be honest. He can't <laughs> well, he start, start for Sunday anybody. for us. Yeah, he, of course. I mean, <laughs> once again, he's a backup. <laughs> waiting for an opportunity. But is he a starting quarterback? No, not at this point. He's not a starting, in my opinion, not for thir- not for one of the 32 teams. He's not a starter. But can he resurrect himself to have an opportunity to go peak, to be a bona fide number one backup? Because that's what he has to be for me first. First, you got to show me you can be a number one backup. He hasn't even shown he can be a number one backup. Because he's been our number one backup, and every time he's gone in, he played like dog. So you cannot even say I'm a number one backup if I can't come in and win you a game or two. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because right now, in my opinion, he's a three. He's a three guy. He's a number three quarterback. You know, right now he's a three quarterback. He's not even a solid number two. Because a solid number two, I consider it's like what Bubby Brister was for us. When John Elway got hurt, Bubby Brister came in and won four games. <laughs> That's a solid. You know who's the backup. solid backup now? Tyler Huntley. Yeah. That guy's yeah. legit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's what I'm saying. So that's what Drew Locke is playing for right now. Right now, these next three weeks, Drew Locke is playing to show the other 32 that I can be a solid backup. I can be a solid backup. I can come off the bench. If your number one is hurt, I can come off the bench and win you three out of five games, mate. That is what a solid backup should okay. be able to do. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what he has to prove right now. Right now, he's not playing to be a starter. In my opinion, he's playing to show the league that I'm worthy of being a solid backup. And let's just call it what it is. Solid backups make great money. Yeah, they <laughs> in do. The, in the NFL. Look, yeah. look, let me tell I can tell you a, a guy who for whatever reason, proved himself to be a solid backup. Right. But it's Chase Daniels. Chase yeah. Daniels has made almost $100 million being a backup. Case in point, Colt McCoy, too. 
Like yes. they can stay in the league. Yes, they can stay in the league 15, 16, 17 years yeah. because they proved themselves to be a solid backup. That's where I feel July should be focused on right now. And now from that solid backup position, if you get enough opportunities, you may end up being a starter. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yes. He's not going to go compete nowhere to be a starter from, from his resume right now. Okay. That I can promise. I so, agree with you. Yeah, so that's what my focus for Julak would be these next three games is I want to prove to the league that I am capable of being a solid backup. And from there, we'll see what happens. So let me – I got a couple questions for you on that. So uh, Drew Locke, the, Vic Fangio came out and said there is absolutely nothing Drew Locke can do to end up being the starter the rest of the year if Teddy's available, number one. Exactly. That's because he haven't even proved that he's a solid backup. That's, that's short, my point. How short is the leash for Drew Locke? I mean, I've seen Brett Rippon play. I think just watching Brett Rippon play, I think at this point in his career, he's a solid backup. I could see that guy being in the league forever. I mean, like the Texans were trying to steal him from us, and 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 Peyton was like, no, we need that guy. Like, like how do you think Drew Locke has a short leash? Because he's proven that uh, Vic Fangio – and the coaching staff kind of dislike him immensely. Well, I mean, once again, that's the one thing that I feel, and and that's where it comes when I say about the emotional attachment when it comes to Fangio. Fangio can get emotionally attached to you one way, or he can get emotionally dissed. Yeah, true. (laughs) You know, and so I feel that. No guys like that. Yeah, so I feel that's what Drew Locke has done with Fangio because he hadn't proven himself to be a solid backup. Fangio, is, in his mind, has just said, Drew Locke's not a starter. Right. And, that, and that's emotionally how I feel. He's not a starter. So there's nothing he can do to change my mind about that. You know right. what I'm saying? So I, I feel, you know, with that being said, I don't know how, how much of a leash he would have because I don't know how, you know, Fangio feels about Ripian and I don't know how... Sharma feels about Ripian, but but I will say this: I would have to assume that his lease will probably be rather short if he doesn't go out and, and, and prove himself capable of handling the job. Meaning, right. maybe maybe he'll get a full half or something like that. But if he goes out and throw you know a couple of picks like he's done before, and 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 put the ball on the ground or whatever, you know, if he's come over, come out and be a turnover machine. I would assume that they probably, you know, put Rippy on that pretty quickly. But I, I, I just feel that that is where Drew, in my opinion, has probably messed up a little bit. Is that he's sure. continued every time he's gone into the game. I feel he's kind of tried to earn the starter's position. When, dude, stop trying to earn the starter's position. It's not going to happen. Go out there and prove yourself capable of being a backup. Right. Do that first. Do that first. And then, you know, the other stuff will come about, which is what I'll just put it in my case. As a rookie, my rookie year, my first two games playing my rookie season, I wanted to be a starter so bad. I went out and tried to prove that I could make plays and all that to be a starter. And it didn't go so well. One of those games with the Raiders is because I was trying so hard to, to prove that I could be a starter, that I was, you know, tight and I was playing too much. 
I, I was going to try to make too many plays, right? Right. After that, I went out and said, you know what? Let me just prove that I can play in this league first. Right. <laughs> you know, stop worrying about being a starter. Let me just go out and make the plays that I'm supposed to make and cover the way I'm supposed to cut. Let me prove that I can be a solid cornerback in this league. Right. So I started to do that and I started making plays. I started making plays. Sometimes it's just the shift of your mindset. Sure. That can make you better and, and make you relax more. Right. Because right. when you go out there and put pressure on yourself and expectations are high, some people don't handle that well. So some people, you just have to dumb it down in your mindset and then you'll go out and start to perform. In, okay. And then here's the last thing on the quarterbacks for the Broncos. Let's say none of the free agents, none of that materializes. And you and I both agree, Teddy Bridgewater, great guy, hard worker, Great mentor, like great mentor for any young quarterback. He's a professional. He's a great yeah. professional. So, yeah. like, if the He's Broncos went with the draft and got Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral or one of those guys, and we decided to just sign Teddy Bridgewater to a long deal to to be the backup or the bridge guy, would you be down for that? Because I would sign up for that today. You couldn't sign him to a long deal, I like mean, three years, three years or whatever. Two, you know, something two, two at the most. Yeah, would you do two that? At the most. I mean, I would be down for it, you know. Yeah, I would be down for it because, for one, he is a true professional. Right. And two, he understands the league, you know. So he is that type of guy who could be in a mentor mode and understand it and accept it and play, you know. Because Unlike I, I feel Flacco. that. Right. I feel that he understands what he is and who he is. That's the one thing I will say about Teddy that I feel – he is well equipped mentally and understands who and what he is. You know, you won't never hear him running around talking about I should be making 40 million. Right. <laughs> you know, he, he understands who he is and what he is in this league. So yeah, I, I would say in a mentor role, I, I think he'd be okay. I would definitely not sign him to a long-term deal. No. Right. I, I would clearly. You know, it would have to be a deal where I would clearly have him understand that, hey, this is the guy, you know, we're going to bring him along as fast as we can. But it, as long as it takes, it takes it. And that's what you're here for. And there's been a rumor going around that he want he's looking for 25 mil a year, which sounds like a ton of money. But when you go look at all the quarterbacks in the NFL, it's like, eh. like well, it's, not, it's not a lot of money for a starter. But it's a ton of money if you're going to be a backup. Like Marcus Mariota's making bank to be backup, and I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I haven't even seen his face on the sideline for a couple of years. Yeah, sometimes you're placed in that position by default, you know. Right. You know, sometimes it happens, but yeah, it's not a ton of money to be a quarterback, you know. But I, I'm thinking more of a range of 15 million for him or something like that is probably more a better, you know, situation because yeah. he has proven now, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm saying. He has proven himself to be a definite solid backup. Heck like, no. if he were the guy that ended up being the number two guy, he's worth $10 because he's proven that he can come in and win you some games. He proved sure. that in New Orleans. He's proved that in other places, that he's a solid backup, borderline starter. So that guy, solid backup, borderline starter, is worth $10, 15000000 million. And he's proven, it's been proven out that what happened in Carolina wasn't Teddy's fault. That place is just kind of a dump. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's a bad situation. So 
we'll get we'll get to your to your Raider prediction a little bit later. The the Pro Bowl was announced. You and I have both agreed. I think that this is a good roster on the NFL or for the for the Denver Broncos in the NFL. A lot of te- a lot of people think the Broncos are a quarterback away from doing something. Zero Broncos were picked for the Pro Bowl. Not one. Not Justin. I went through the list. I was like, okay, Justin Simmons is probably the most deserving. And then when you make the Pro Bowl, you kind of make it by default a year or two after, you know, sometimes. And then I was like, the only other two that I could really think of was Javante or Melvin. Like, the Broncos Melvin just... No. Melvin, no, fumbles too much. I mean, right. you can't fumble. You can't fumble as much as he has in critical situations. So I, I was scratching Melvin. Javante, one that could have been, just doesn't have enough production. Right. And that's mostly, I feel, mostly Sherman's fault. You know, if you'd have put him in better positions, he could definitely, he's a definite Pro Bowl talent. Prasertain, the second, started off a little slow. Ended up well, played yep. well at the end of the game. That was didn't, one. didn't make a didn't make enough splash plays, I feel, but he was definitely a borderline pro, or, you know, Pro Bowl guy, which is why he's the first alternate. And yep. then Justin Simmons was the first alternate. Got beat up early, you know, mm-hmm. made you know, got made too many mistakes early in the beginning. I'm talking big time. We saw yeah, those, he did. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and we saw those big plays. So a lot of that ends up on the voters' minds. Is that stuff? Now he came back and he's made five interceptions. You know, one of the few guys who's made you know five interceptions. I think three or four times in his career coming out of safety. He could have been a Pro Bowler, but he's a first alternate, so he's right there. That to me, those two are the really you know, are, are, are those three, in my opinion, are the are the guys that really got snubbed. Nobody else has enough production or have right. done enough to to really be you know to really be in that on that list. Is that so? Does that worry you at all? Like as far as moving forward? No, not necessarily. It doesn't worry me because a lot of these guys are young, and sure. and 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 once again, put it in the right position. A lot of times, you know, making a Pro Bowl and all that, it comes back to a guy putting you in the right. But I'll just even say myself, I I didn't make a Pro Bowl. I mean, I was first alternate three times. I didn't make the Pro Bowl, but partly it was because scheme. I played bump and run my whole career. So I wasn't making enough back then. Pro Bowls based pretty much on interceptions. Sure. All, you know, even though I, 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 you know, I only probably gave up two touchdowns. I would have three or four interceptions, but it was always based on interceptions. Right. So you gotta, you know, you gotta make a lot of splash plays sometime to make. That's where it becomes a a, as they say, a publicity, you know, contest and stuff like that. Because you got to make enough splash plays is what we used to call them. And if you don't, you could be a solid, you know, guy. But now, because they got all of the stuff that they have out now, which I wish they would have had when I played, I would have definitely been on more than a number of Pro Bowls if they had all this coverage, you know, percentile ratio and all the stuff they have now. Catch percentage and all that. Catch percentage and all that. Oh, I would have been up there. But yeah. that's what I like about the Pro Bowl now is that at least the fans are getting to, to judge more than the naked eye. Right. Now you can go and see percentage, you know, completion percentage and touchdown ratio and, and first down catch and all. You can go see all that stuff now, which you couldn't before. So with that being said, I'm not worried more so there because – Sudden, 
is is a Pro Bowl, a, a talented enough guy who could make sure. a Pro Bowl, but he has to be in the right position. And so but, is Judy. And so is Judy and 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 Passertain. Yeah, and Williams. You know, we got a number of guys, even Bowles. You know, maybe the, Chubb. Uh, hopefully, yeah. If he, I don't know. I, I, I won't <laughs> go that far with Chubb. So I, he, he hadn't had showed me. He hadn't showed me enough. I wouldn't go that far right now with Chubb. But Bowles, you know, who, the uh, tackle. He did, he made a Pro Bowl. I mean, yeah, he was. He was. He, he's a Pro Bowl so caliber type of guy. There's guys that can do it. Like next yeah, year, we guys can that have can five. Yeah, exactly. If if things you know if things work out, scheme is right, and and you get creative, and and I mean, just look at Cooper Cup. Oh my goodness! <laughs> look what he's doing. He oh, cow man! Who would have predicted that? This this is first Pro Bowl. Yeah, this is first Pro Bowl. So that that talent was bottled right there, and all they did was found a way to mm. scheme him and get him open. You know, so that's what I mean. It's right there. That sure. talent was there. So this is first pro, but it's a blowout year. So we got we have guys that are in that position that can come out, you know, and do some really, really good things. And I, so I'm not worried. No. Well, in the in the AFC West, the Chiefs are creeping away. Uh Chargers are in second. This week, uh obviously it's Raider week for us. Uh Chargers are at the Texans and the Steelers are at the Chiefs. Um right. Chargers need to beat up on the Texans, but it's funny. I have this feeling and I don't know why I have this feeling. The Steelers are going to steal one from the chiefs this week. And, and you know, it's possible. It's possible because the Steelers for one Tomlin is, is, is the, the X factor. They have a good, you don't like losing that guy, man. That, that guy does not like losing. And, and he is one guy that yeah. I will say is not emotionally attached to anything but winning. That's so true. If it comes down to except Big to, Ben, just a little bit. Yeah, he likes Big Ben. He likes Big Ben, but but he's a Hall of Fame. Yeah, but what's, it, yeah, but what's yeah. his alternative? I mean, let's be honest. You exactly. Know. What is his alternative? And then let's just be quite frank about this. You can say what you want about Big Ben. Big Ben is a Hall of Famer. This sure. guy's a number five yardage in the history of the NFL. Yep. Don't sleep on Big Ben. And he's won, you know, multiple Super Bowls. And he's won multiple big games. And he's had multiple big comeback games for Tom. So I could be emotionally attached to a guy like that. Yes. So be no problem. even though even though he's had some, you know, some some moments <laughs> where right. you wonder is he dead and gone. I get that. But being emotionally attached to Big Ben is not a bad thing. I would say that. Now, being emotionally attached to some of these other guys, that's a different story. Right. So with Tomlin, with Tomlin, he's definitely a guy who can get, you know, who can get things turned around quick, fast, and in a hurry. So yeah, I I, I mean, I don't think they're gonna beat the Chiefs. I'm gonna be honest, because right now I feel the Chiefs have finally gotten it together as far as I like the way the quarterback is starting to play quarterback and not right. hero ball. He's really starting to settle in Mahomes and play quarterback, right. solid quarterback. Once he does that, I think things are starting to shape out for him. And they're getting and they're starting to you know they're starting to to, to peak at the right moment, and their defense is playing well. That's the true story. I feel is that I feel their defense is good enough to stop. Big man and the Steelers. With that being said, I think the Chiefs will get that win. 
if they move that game, and I haven't looked today whether they were going to move it to Tuesday or not, because uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are both on the reserve. And that's, what, and that, and that's what I was about to say. That could make a difference. Right now, this COVID situation, in, in my opinion, is the biggest X factor of all games. Yes. It's, who the hell is going to play? We don't know. You know, that the NFL's the made it easier for them. Yeah, they, they have. They and, and you know why? They want to because they know, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, you, you want your best teams then. I mean, let's right. just be quite frank about it. You mm-hmm. don't want a team like whoever to sneak in there because you had 12 guys, 20 guys out on COVID. That's mm-hmm. not a good look for Well, the Broncos me. had to play with no quarterbacks last year. Yeah, and the Broncos sucked anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> It ain't like the Broncos are one of the top teams. That that is my point. My point is you don't want a team like Kansas City not to make it in because that's one of your top teams. Would you be not that? Would you be okay if they move it just because Tyree Kill and Travis can't play? Because that's what it seems like. Would you be all right with that? I would. I wouldn't necessarily be all right with it. I would understand it, but I wouldn't necessarily be all right with it. You don't want to give you know, anybody a, a competitive edge when everybody has to battle the same things. Yeah. But, but in a vein, you know, mindset as well, you do want your best teams in because it's better, you know, that's what's best for the league. And, and, and a guy like a superstar, like Mahomes and stuff like that, you know, now, now, if, now, if it wasn't COVID, anything other than COVID, I would be saying a different thing. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, but COVID is so man. This is such a difficult time that it's it's hard for me to even to even have a true true opinion and understanding of it because man, this thing is crazy. I'm looking at college. You know, you already got full teams opting out of bowl games. You know? I know that's crazy, you know, right? It's crazy man. These are just crazy times right now. So. Hey Ray, let me ask you to put your businessman hat on. That's easy for you. Okay, sure. you're the NFL. You see, wow, Steelers, Chiefs. We could literally put this on Tuesday and, and make a little bit of money. At, <laughs> and both teams look, and both teams be at full strength. I will put it on Tuesday. I mean, I will put it on Tuesday. I mean, because I want to see, I want to see the best team win. I watch those Tuesday football games. I don't know about you. It's like, it's like a bonus day. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't watch it. You I, don't, I, don't, I don't even who played on Tuesday. I don't even know. I'm not going to even lie to you. You know me. I got to give it straight with no chaser. I, I don't. I don't even know who played on. You Tuesday. think you would flip on the Chiefs and Steelers on Tuesday? Now, that game I would. Yeah, that game I would. But whoever <laughs> played on Tuesday this past week, I don't even remember who was it. I don't. I, don't I think it was the. Was it the Rams Seahawks? I don't know. They all yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was. It was the Rams and Seahawks. And then there was another game. Was it uh, Raiders Cleveland? I think I did watch part of the Raiders Cleveland, so I'm lying. I watched a little bit of the Raiders Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I I didn't watch the Rams Seahawks, though. So uh, we both agreed Chargers are probably going to go in and and just take care of business. Justin Herbert, man. They should. That kid is just. And he's a guy, man. He's a guy. He's a guy. guy. That kid. Steelers Chiefs, you take him. Which is why he's a starting quarterback, by the way. Dude, man. And it's funny because, like, you and you and I have obviously watched the Chargers. You up close, they just seem to charge her. Like yeah. it, like last year, you're just like, what is it? Is it a culture thing possibly where they just end up losing? Like they they don't get up for some of these games, and you're like, 
you know, you know what happened? Like right. Benjamin, like some games looks like the best wide receiver in the NFL. And the next right. game, you're like, where is that guy? Yeah, I mean, you just don't so know weird. what's going on. But I, I do like that guy though. I, I like, I like Herbert. He's, he's a, he's a player. He's definitely a player. Steelers traveling to Kansas City for some, not just some great barbecue, but for a, a, a game. Do you yeah. think Steelers got a chance? Or are you going all? I mean, I, think, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I don't think they will though. I, I okay. will stick to my guns there. I think the Chiefs are playing well. I think the Chiefs uh, understand. The position that they're in, sure, and, and I think they're starting to peak. And I think most of it is because the defensively they're starting to play better. Their two corners are, are really starting to hold their own. That's where I, I felt they had a problem was they didn't have enough depth, and the corners weren't playing well. Now mm-hmm. the corners are playing a little better, and and the Chiefs, you know, giving their, their their front the front four can definitely get to the quarterback. So right. With that being said, Big Ben is not going to have nowhere to run, nowhere to hide when it comes to that front four. So that's why I give I give this game to the Chiefs. Maybe we should put a cup of coffee on that one. That would be fun. I'll take the Steelers. Okay, let's do it. I'll you take, take the Steelers. Steelers. I'll yeah. take the Chiefs. I'll I'm just feeling the Steelers this week. It was funny, like Nunez. I think I did I tell you about the Nunez fight? All the groomsmen at my daughter's wedding, they wanted to do this big bet. And I go, I have a feeling Nunez is gonna lose. And they're like, why? I go, she's never that like she was like cheeky at the way in. She's usually like really respectful and stuff. And I go something right. changed. Something changed about her. She yeah. I, when I, whenever you go in overconfident, whenever you go in don't with t- disrespect, that's kind of like I said with all the teams that have got on the logo before the game. You end up getting your ass kicked. They do. So, so I think I think I would stop the logo stuff. I think <laughs> if I was a head coach, I would say uh, quit being asses. Yes. And stop and stop being, you know, and, and, and stop disrespecting your opponent and getting your ass kicked. Why so, get why yeah. add fuel to the fire, right? Why? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I can see where you come from with that. You know, I, I just believe I totally believe in respecting your opponent at all costs and just go and kick their, yeah, if you're gonna go out and kick their ass, go out and kick their ass. I don't Take have to kick their hand body. afterward and it was like it was there, great there kicking their ass today. There you go. There you go. I, <laughs> okay. I Last thing I wanted to close with this. Um We'll get we'll get your pick on the Bronco Raider. The NFL implemented the new policy that uh, teams without a coach can go looking for a new coach with two weeks left in the season. Uh, let's let's just pretend that the Broncos happen to lose to the Raiders. Is right. Nick Fangio the coach on Monday, or do the Broncos start looking early at guys like Dan Quinn, Byron Leftwich, and guys like that? I think they start looking. I think he's going to finish it out though. Okay. I, I just think I just think at this point, why fire him? You got to pay him anyway. Why yeah. fire him the last two games? I mean, at this point. Now, if it was seven weeks ago or whatever, and you wanted to make that decision when we still have an opportunity or whatever, but right now, play just it write out. it out. Write it out. Write it out. Now, go Do you think that two we- weeks will help anybody? Do you think if I mean, anyone? Yeah, I mean, it'll help somebody. Yeah, I mean, because you can actually go talk to them and stuff like that now. So right. it gives you an edge there. Yeah. So go do that. Go do your preparation. You know, go do go, go do your work. You know, do your due diligence. Start your due diligence early. But as far as firing them at this point, no, nah, write it out. Write it out. I mean, I don't see. It's not going to do anything because right. you can't bring the guy in. It ain't like you can start. He can start. Yeah, he's got a job to do, most likely, if you're hired <laughs> exactly. he's on a team that's exactly. going to playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. So, with that being said, I mean, I, I, I think you're out of season now. It is what it is. So, who you got this week, Ray? 
I'll give you mine first so you can think about it. My heart, my brain says, I've seen what the Raiders do to the Broncos this year. I saw it. You were there up close and personal. It it hurt my heart. It hurt my heart. And so I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be the same way. I think uh, Drew Locke is going to have a renaissance. I think Javante Williams is going to have a great game. I feel like the Denver Broncos are going to go out and win this game. And I think they're going to win it convincingly. I think they're going to win it probably by over a touchdown. I just feel like we've seen such garbage last week. And these, these players are, you know, they got pride too, man. They got pride too. And I think they're going to go out and play. Well, I, I, and I, in my opinion, I mean, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I don't necessarily agree with you because of the Broncos. I think I agree with you because of the Raiders. I think now with all the stuff that the Raiders has gone through and, and I think it's finally caught up to them. I think, it's finally caught up, you know. They're just kind of tired a little bit. I think they're tired. I do. I think I think they they've they've realized. Look, man, we've dropped now into the third seat. You yeah. know, we dropped down to the third, fourth seat. You know, with the Broncos, and 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 I think they just look at the season finally and said, all of the crap, the outside stuff has caught up to us. We're tired. We're ready to go home. <laughs> that's right. that's what I think. So with that being said, I think the Broncos can end up winning the game by mostly default on the Raiders that <laughs> finally, you know, the, the logo stuff that they just pulled and got their ass tore out of the frame, yep. you know, all of that stuff with everything outside forces, you know, I, and I think that's what the logo thing did, you know, right. for them. I felt they were tired already, so they needed something. They were like, man, you know, Let's. This is our last gasp. You know, this right. is our last try. Let's let's do this logo thing. Let's go stand on the logo and say we're ready to go. Then you go out and get the absolute dog crap beat out of you. I think that did it for them. I think that was just like, hey, because even this past game that they won against the Browns, the Browns could have very easily won that game. Sure, the Browns, in my opinion played bad the last part of the game and the Raiders ended up winning. So they got that game. But I do. I, I just when I look at the Raiders, I just I just see a bunch of tired guys, man. I see a bunch of mentally tired guys. Sure. So with that being said, I could see the Broncos winning this game. I, I I'm I'm gonna be honest. Quite frankly, ain't nobody care. That's true. <laughs> ain't nobody care. I mean I don't think neither one of these teams are going to the playoffs. I don't. I don't think no. either one of these teams are going to go to the playoffs either way. So I can see the Broncos winning. I can see the Raiders winning. I hope the Broncos go out and 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 give a, a great effort. But with with the OC, you know, with Sherman still being in the same position, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that a good offensive coordinator comes out, you know, this week and does something good. But quite frankly, probably not. <laughs> Sure. We'll so, come back next week and talk about how Pat Shermer put him yeah, in three wide. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what we're at right times. now. Yeah, right now we are really just at the mercy of, of Shermer. I'm, I, if he comes up with a good game plan, we can win. If he doesn't, right. we're going to lose. Simple. <laughs> well, good stuff, Ray. We've both, both got the Broncos win. Dude, this is like the most positive ending we have. <laughs> All year, ain't nobody well, care, but we can't nobody care. the Broncos winning, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Hey, it's Christmas, man. <laughs> it's Christmas, the Broncos man. need to go out and play for their mama and them, as you would exactly. Say. At this point, at this <laughs> point, it's Christmas. It's the holiday. You gotta go out and play for your mommy and them. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Good stuff, Ray. I'll talk to you next week. All right, brother. <laughs> <laughs>